Still speaking, God, as these words from Scripture are read, may it be to us as if the heavens are opening and we see your spirit descending on us like a dove, revealing your love for us as your sons and daughters. Amen. Our first reading this morning is from the Old Testament book of Isaiah, God's servant described. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 1 through 9. But here is my servant, the one I uphold, my chosen, who brings me delight. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. He won't cry out or shout aloud or make his voice heard in public. He won't break a bruised reed. He won't extinguish a faint wick. But he will surely bring justice. He won't be extinguished or broken until he has established justice in the land. The coastlands await his teachings. Lord, the God says, the one who created the heavens, the one who stretched them out, the one who spread out the earth and its offspring, the one who gave breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you for a good reason. I will grasp your hand and guide you and give you as a covenant to the people, as light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to lead the prisoners from prison and those who sit in darkness from the dungeon. I am the Lord, that is my name. I don't hand out my glory to others or my praise to idols. The things announced in the past, look, they've already happened, but I'm declaring new things. Before they even appear, I tell you about them. Our psalm this morning is a psalm of David, psalm number 29. You divine beings, give to the Lord, and give to the Lord glory and power. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bow down to the Lord in holy splendor. The Lord's voice is over the waters. The glorious God thunders. The Lord is over the mighty waters. The Lord's voice is strong. The Lord's voice is majestic. The Lord's voice breaks cedar trees. Yes, the Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon jump around like a young bull makes Serene jump around like a young wild ox. The Lord's voice unleashes fiery flames. The Lord's voice shakes the wilderness. Yes, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The Lord's voice convulses the oaks, strips the forest bare, but in his temple everyone shouts, Glory! The Lord sits enthrined over the flood waters. The Lord sits enthrined King forever, let the Lord give strength to his people. Let the Lord bless his people with peace. sermon text this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. 
Peter said, I really am learning that God doesn't show partiality to one group of people over another. Rather, in every nation, whoever worships him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is the message of peace he sent to the Israelites by proclaiming the good news through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism John preached. You know about Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Spirit and endowed with power. Jesus traveled doing good and healing everyone oppressed by the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses to everything he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him up on the third day and allowed him to be seen, not by everyone, but by us. We are witnesses whom God closed before, chose beforehand, who ate and drank with him after God raised him from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God anointed, appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Who's in and who is out? Who's included? Who's excluded? That question has been driving the church since its founding. This text in Acts comes towards the end of a larger text about Peter and the Roman centurion Cornelius and the Gentiles. You see, Peter was a faithful Jewish man who built his entire life around remaining pure and righteous before God. He followed the law. He ate what he was supposed to eat. He shunned what he was supposed to shun. He did the rituals as he was supposed to do them. He offered his sacrifices. He celebrated at the temple. He was faithful to the faith he grew up in. But that became a problem after Jesus showed up. Because Peter had accepted the idea that being a Jewish man meant he was set apart from the rest of the world and he needed to keep people out to remain faithful and to remain righteous and to remain clean. So early on in the book of Acts, Peter was challenged in his beliefs. He would never have imagined sitting down at a table with a Gentile and eating a meal because he would defile himself if he did that. He would never accept a dinner invitation and enter the home of a Gentile. What would the other people say if he did that? Even after all he witnessed with Jesus, he still couldn't imagine those unclean other people being included. Now, Peter, I've told you, is one of my favorite people in the New Testament because I always feel better about myself when I read about Peter because all he witnessed, he still didn't understand. 
And in fact, it took a vision from God for him to change his mind. You think you don't like change. Peter hated it. But God challenged Peter around food and who was included. Peter had this vision of a sheet that opened up and all of the animals that God created, the things that the kosher laws said were unclean and they had to not eat, were on the sheet. And God tells Peter to eat. And Peter says, no, no way. I wouldn't think of defiling myself by eating that stuff. And again, God says, eat. Peter says, no, couldn't do it. A third time, God says, eat. Nothing I've made is unclean. It takes three times to get through to Peter if you follow Peter's stories in the New Testament. We have always been dividing each other. The first conflict in the early church was, what do you do with these Gentiles who are showing signs of the Holy Spirit? They're not Jewish. They don't follow the kosher laws. They're not circumcised. What do we do with these people? Do we include them or don't we include them? That was the first conflict. Ultimately, the Gentiles were included. But over and over throughout our history in the church, we have been trying to divide up of who's in and who's out over the dumbest stuff. Read about church history, and it's over the dumbest stuff. Do you baptize children or not? The Bible's not real specific, although there are people that will plant their flag on that hill and die about whether you baptize children or not. We fought each other in Europe over that. Christians killed one another over baptism. That doesn't sound crazy to you. Over and over and over, who's in and who's out, and we're still doing it. What's happening in the Methodist church right now that happened in the Presbyterian church a decade ago? Who's in and who's out? Who's included and who's not? What do you do with these queer folks? We have to protect ourselves and preserve our purity and our righteousness and shun them and kick them out. One thing I think we get from Jesus' ministry, if we read closely, is that what Jesus came to do was challenge who people thought were included and who were not. In fact, that's Jesus' beef with the Pharisees. It's how they have concocted this religion that includes some and excludes others. And Jesus challenged them by going to the ones that they deemed unworthy and eating with them, ministering to them, talking with them, accepting invitations into homes, always outraging them that he would defile himself. Today we celebrate the baptism of Jesus, and even though we didn't read that part of the, the New Testament today, it's a story you've heard of Jesus going into the waters and John baptizing him, 
and the dove descending and this announcement that this is my son with whom I have well pleased. But what's amazing about that story is what Jesus does is Jesus takes a ceremony and a ritual that the Jewish people were accustomed to about cleanliness and forgiveness and washing and becoming pure and clean, taking that ritual and making it about belonging. The baptism we celebrate is no longer emphasizing that we were once dirty and we are now clean. The baptism we celebrate is about belonging as a child of God. We seal the person's forehead with a cross and anointing oil, and we remind them that they belong to God, and nothing can change that. So why do we keep dividing? Why do we keep looking to be in and to keep others out? I think it's a part of our fallenness. I think it's a remnant of the fall that we group up with people similar to us and we find others to hate who are dissimilar. Wars are fought over it. People are marginalized because of it. Slavery happened because people convinced themselves that others were less than human and therefore could be owned and done with as they please. I think the radical call of the modern church is to reclaim this idea of inclusion that Jesus came to show us what it means to belong. And the offer that Jesus gave is an offer of relationship, of peace and rest and belonging. And Jesus went to the very people that those in authority said were out, were excluded, were dirty, were unworthy, were less than human. Friends, if there's one thing we need to do is we need to shun that part of us. We need to stop being sucked into it every election cycle where every narcissistic idiot who wants to get elected tries to divide us and tell us who to fear and who to be against. In the church, we have to be welcoming to all people without fully understanding how it works but trusting that God calls us to that work. To be radically different than our culture. To be a place of peace and rest where people can find meaning and purpose. That's a challenge for each of us because it's not going to come naturally. We're always going to have it in us to look for our differences and divide ourselves based on those differences. But here's the thing. Our belonging isn't even based on similarities. It's based on our identity and who we are. Children of God, created in the image of God. 
that surpasses all other markers, all other, other identities that we have. It's the thing that should drive us as a church. So my challenge to you in this new year, really do some introspection and really look inwards. What are the ways that you identify people different than you? And what do you do with that when you identify people different than you? And push yourselves to interact with people different than you. It's what Jesus did. It's the example Jesus taught us, and it's the footsteps that we follow. Amen. Friends, as we go from this time of worship, go out knowing that you belong, that there isn't a place you can go that is separate from where God is, that wherever you go, God rests with you, that you are God's temple, that you belong. Now go show others that they belong. God shows no partiality between people according to class, color, or country, but accepts people of all backgrounds who love God and do what is right. So go in peace and do likewise. And all God's people joyfully said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 